It is that time again. Thank you so much for joining us to Ice the Kicker podcast with me, Tom Deacon, and Charlie Hawkins. It is week 11 of this podcast, uh, a project that we are absolutely loving being part of. We appreciate all of your tweets, all of your DMs. I see some of you sliding in our DMs uh, and Ooh. giving us... I know, it's a bit cheeky though, isn't it? But, <laughs> Ooh, who? But, but we just various people have been saying they're loving uh, the podcast and we really appreciate that. So we're back for another week. And um, I have to say, Charlie, absolute pleasure working with you, but also talking about our main love, which is NFL. It is, and it's a shared love, a shared passion. And to, to, to get involved every week, there's so much to dive into. There's so many talking points. It feels like we... We don't have enough time to do it all justice. We don't. We definitely don't have enough time this week because we've got something exciting. It's happening at the end of this show. So stay tuned Ooh. for that um, because it's important, Charlie, that we tease people to stay through the podcast. I, nice. I read it. Even if we haven't got anything exciting. Exa- no, no, don't <laughs> say that. You've given it away. Uh, we will be talking about news. Uh, we have got a bit of um, fan interaction. There were questions from you guys. We've also got a quiz question, which Charlie absolutely loves. He nailed it in one last week. Um, will you do the same? Uh, stay tuned for that. Plus, we'll also be talking about a few games that happen happened uh, this weekend and throwing forward to some beauties that are happening in week 11. So Charlie, let's start with the news. Um, oh, by the way, amazing work on Twitter as well. I thoroughly enjoyed you asking everybody around the world why uh, Chubb did not give you the full amount of fantasy points. That was beautiful work there. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, hands up. I did uh, ask ESPN where all my Nick Chubb points disappeared to. But <laughs> if you're out there, you love NFL. I'm sure you play fantasy. You know how big and important a fantasy win is. And when you're like me, you've lost seven games and only one, two. A win, getting that W was crucial. Chubb, fantastic. We'll, we'll dive into that later. He had 35 points. Yeah. I checked back on, 12. And I was like, whoa, 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 ESPN. Calm yourself. But they were back. Having said that, though, lots more people following. So, we, you know, people are following our Twitter. Ice the Kicker, pod, uh, check us out. Uh, go are on you there. saying they're following to enjoy my woes of fantasy? I think they are, Charlie. <laughs> but also, I, I, I'm, I'm the Instagram, I'm going to put my hands up um, and say, uh, we're, I'm going to pull my finger out on, uh, on that and, and update it. So stay tuned for that. That's Ice the Kicker pod. You can find us on Instagram. Right. Um, let's get to it. This is what is exciting. So much happening in the world of signings, people being cut. We have to start with a DB, don't we? Des Bryant. What has gone on there? Signed for the Saints. He'd been dropped by the Dallas Cowboys. Could he have gone to the Browns? Goes to the Saints. And then, um, oh, Lady Luck was not with Des Bryant. I know. We have to talk about it because it was a big talking point on the pod last week. We had this whole debate. Would you sign him? Wouldn't you? Well, the answer to that was that the New Orleans Saints did. They felt it was worth it. Help out that offense. Not sure it needs much help. Two days after uh, training and signing with the Saints, he goes down, tears an ACL out for the season. He, he's uh, money that he was signed for, 600000 That is guaranteed. He stays on the roster because they're not wavering him. So he'll be around the facility, which means if those Saints go on to... Uh, win that Super Bowl, he gets wow. a ring. And people are already tweeting there saying, you get a ring, would you take it? You've not played. And he's like, yeah, I'll take it. So uh, <laughs> fair, 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 um, fair play to Des there. But just more importantly, I think, you know, you made a good point, Tom, and it really did get me thinking. It's about what he brings to the team. And, yeah. you know, if, if, he's on the, if he's on the field, teams have to think about him. But he clearly made a great impression on the players and the staff because this weekend when the Saints run riot, everyone throwing up that X. And it was, it was all about this is for Des, this is for Des. He hasn't even played a snap, so kudos to them. Yeah, kudos to them. And, and absolutely rolling the way they dispatched. It was the who dat versus the who day. Oh. Uh, Bengals versus the Saints. And, well, the Saints 
it was it was really a domination, like fifty-one to fourteen. That's that is that is a Super Bowl winning side right there. However, uh, losing Des Bryant didn't look like they needed him, but they have um, backed up and, and got security there by taking on Brandon Marshall, um, a vet in the game, thirteen years, uh, seventh team he's played for over something like uh, thousands of, of, of yardage um, in terms of 12,351 yards, just to start off the top of my head, and 30, 83 touchdowns. That is a good replacement. It's not Des Bryant, but at least they've got an extra weapon there. Yeah, and it's another veteran who knows how to play the game. He's been around the league for years, and I like Brendan Marshall just as much. He's, he's had some great seasons in the league, and it wasn't too long ago he was putting up Terrific numbers with the Jets, and I really liked his. He had like a football life, you know. They do those NFL documentaries. He's a great character. He had great uh, bromance with Jay Cutler, and uh, if 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 they think that Des could have offered something, I'm sure Brandon Marshall could maybe just do the same. It didn't quite work for him at the Seahawks, but like I said before, he will be lining up on that offense. You've got to, you can't just go. They're not going to throw the ball. Opportunity to him. knocks. I mean, now he's in a he's in a maybe you could say a better team this year anyway. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see how this one plays out. Okay, so um, I mentioned them, the Who Day Bengals. Uh, they've said enough's enough. Terrible defense all season. Um, shocking stats. Something like three games where they've got over five hundred yards. They they've allowed conceded, to the opposite yeah. conceded to the opposition. Uh, enough was enough, and they they had to get rid of um the T the TA the Terrell Austin. Yeah, defensive coordinator losing his job. Only nine games in to his uh, reign. And, and it's, it's a shame. he come from the Lions. He, he'd done well with the Lions, but he'd moved on to the Bengals this year. And it's funny because when you look at the Bengals, you see a franchise of uh, continuation, stability. Not much change there. And, it, mm. and f- in their history, 49 years, they have never fired a coordinator in season up until last year they fired their offensive coordinator now they fired their defensive coordinator it's successive years two years running when normally they don't do it we've seen how long Marvin Lewis has stayed around and he hasn't done much when they've got to the playoffs so these in-house changes are very interesting right now well, it's interesting because a lot of teams say look we don't we don't panic we don't we don't panic we we keep our staff all similar and we, we don't make um outrageous sort of spur of the moment like yeah. oh it's, we're not winning get rid of this coach or whatever um, impulse changes yeah but it seems to be more teams are like we've got to win now like you know an owner comes in they've got the money they want to have that success uh so you know th- th- they're making more snap decisions with like it seems to be this season because i'm gonna i want to talk about kickers that seems to be it's an endemic that the yeah. kickers being moved on oh you missed three field goals that's it you've lost us the season you know? i think that that's just Really, a really interesting point you've brought up because it seems now when you had that short NFL season, you know, by December, January, if you weren't in the playoffs, you're out and you've got a long off season to plan for next year. That was when, you know, the coaches uh, firings were made like Black Monday, they call it or the coaches would lose their job. But it now seems that teams are moving up on that now. Like teams don't want to wait. They're like, we're not going to have you next year. Why wait and play those final six, seven games? We want to start the head search now. Stop. Yeah. So you've got longer in place. Get your plans in place. Seems like we've seen it with the Browns, the Bengals. Teams don't want to wait now. They want to get that sort of head start advantage on teams that will wait. So they're already, they've identified and located yeah. their man. Yeah. Why wait and why pay them that money? Uh, cut <laughs> them, save a little bit of cash. They probably uh, still have to pay them, weren't they? I suppose, oh. contract. It's just not fair, isn't it? HR having a nightmare. Do you Ooh. reckon they send them by an, an envelope or it would be email? Like, do, do you reckon they give them the resignation, you know, the, you're fired? Text. <laughs> Text message. Wow. Um, all right, listen, um, Charlie, uh, I mentioned it. The, the kicking woes continue for teams. It, I don't know if anyone else feels this way. That it just seems to be this year. It's just, everyone talks about kickers. Um, 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they've had a couple of years of, of issues with kickers. Uh, they've moved on from um, from the man, man Cantanzaro. I'm going to pronounce it with a, with oh, a slight flair. Um, and they brought in Santos, um, the ex-Chiefs and Jets kicker. That's a, that's a solid move because uh, Cantanzaro was, was not making I think goals. that's an upgrade. I used to love Santos at the Chiefs. Admittedly, he was playing in a great team and he would just come in and do his part. But I think this could be an upgrade. But you're so right. The Bucks. Like kicking woes over the past few years, it's been terrible. They drafted Robert Aguero in the um, second round. It was a and very a high pick, pick. Because, for a kicker. Yeah, because so what happens in the draft for anyone who's new to the podcast? Just just a brief view on this: the quarterbacks are the big one. That that, that co- draft picks he has a higher value, and then a kicker you sort of wait. Uh, because you know no one's gonna really gonna take a kicker uh, in in any sort of round, maybe anything higher than the fifth. But they thought this is the man, this is the dude, um, and then they wasted not wasted. No, I, I agree with wasted. They've wasted a second round pick on on a kicker that didn't make it. Yeah, and unfortunately they've ended up cutting him, and then he was signed to the Chargers, and they've ended up releasing him. And the Chicago Bears, I think, was he was there as well. So it's a very high draft pick to to use on a kicker. Special teams players, like you said, no no higher than the fifth round normally. But when you have such a bad history and reputation at that one position, they felt that they needed to use that on a kicker. But it's still not worked out for them. And and who's, who's the Seahawks kicker? Janikowski? Is it Janikowski? Yeah. He was so, at the Raiders. He was at the Raiders. He was a high pick, and that worked out because they had years of 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 you know solid kicking for, from him. So it can work, but it is a high risk. High well, reward. Yeah, people say it's a high risk, but when your games are coming down to the wire and coming down to field goals missed or made, then spend a second round pick because you could argue that the Bucks seasons in certain games where they have missed kicks or even extra points. That's where the game's being lost. All right, we could have done better in other phases. When, like we said, we watch the game tape, you know, certain balls are caught, certain touchdowns are made. But if you're losing 30 33, then it was the field goal, wasn't it? So yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a toss up. But, but um, it's, it seems a bit unfair that, the, you know, maybe the offense could have run the ball and got the touchdown or, or thrown uh, the ball and, and, and scored a touchdown. And then you're leaving it to the kicker. But anyway, that argument rolls on. But hey, listen, uh, Santos, welcome to the building for the Bucks. Um, I hope you uh, look forward to those cannons going off from the ship in the stadium. Um, uh, talking of cutting a player, Peterman, the man taken in the fifth round, 171st pick uh, in the draft, a uh, little bit interception prone. Um, he's been cut from the Bills. Yeah, surprise this one. Well, a surprise in a sense, in a sense that Josh Allen was injured and Peterman was playing but they've got in Matt Barkley and they signed Anderson from the the Panthers and yeah it's, it's I feel a bit sorry for Peterman in a sense that you know he's, he's clearly in a poor protection poor poor team mm. poor system it hasn't happened for him and although he's not looked great when it has been on him you, you never like to see anyone lose their jobs no one wants that even with the kickers um so I feel he hasn't gone to you could really get drafted in a great situation we've seen yeah. sitting behind great quarterbacks learning the ropes or you could be really thrown to the fire we spoke about this on our earlier podcast when quarterbacks were coming in this new glo- this new draft class but uh hopefully as always I hope he gets picked up but I suppose if we're looking at stats and film tape, you can't argue with it. No, it's just funny how that Peterman doesn't do well. Anderson, that would, let's not discuss that, but it was okay. Um, and, th- and then you've got like Josh Allen. It, it, it just didn't quite work for one quarterback. And yet you've got the same personnel in front of you. Um, maybe it's a people person. It's happened at the Niners with Mullins. But anyway, we we're going to talk about him in a bit because we did put out a tweet uh, asking for you to get involved for our votes. I'll give you the uh, results on that. But um, I hate to have to do this. Um, it's the last time I'm going to ring this bell. Oh, uh, Le'Veon Bell. We have to talk about him. Ding! 
Uh, it's his last chance. That wasn't planned, but synced. Last chance saloon for that, that man, isn't it? It's been a saga that's been rolling on, but I think if it gets to 9pm uh, UK time, uh, that's it. It's all over. Can't, can't sign for a team. Break it down for everybody. Yeah, 9 o'clock our time, 4 o'clock Eastern time, I believe. Uh, today, finally, everyone who's listening and everyone who is an NFL fan, and this has consumed the season, this ongoing theme, <laughs> this ongoing storyline, the Le'Veon Bell dispute with the Pittsburgh Steelers will today be at an end. He's either going to show up to the facility, he's going to turn up, he's going to play, or he's not going to turn up and he's not going to play. And the interesting thing about this, Tom, was he was actually going to play because, as we spoke about before, and what was led to believe that if he turned up for a... Uh, X amount of weeks, he could be uh, get the money that he was owed for those games and then make free agency, blah, blah, blah. But then his agent didn't know this. It was reported by Tom Pelissero, the NFL agent, who actually said that if he don't turn up, the only way the Steelers can keep him is by what's known as a transition tag, which isn't a franchise tag. It's where they... They keep you, they put you on a tag, but they have to pay you quarterback money. You're sort of in this transition period. I'm sure someone could probably explain it slightly better than I am. But So we know the Steelers, they weren't even giving him the the top tier money for running back and wide receiver, which is what he wanted. He wanted to be deemed in that class and that type of money. So he he knows they're not going to put him on this transition tag next year and pay him $25 million, which is the transition tag money. He knows he's not getting that. So essentially, if he does sit out, which it looks like he will, barring a last-minute change, he, he's guaranteed himself becoming a free agent next year because he knows the Steelers won't pay him it. So Le'Veon Bell, welcome to free agency, and uh, he will be suiting up in a different jersey next year. That is, I would have to say, is pretty certain now. And to be fair, he's been enjoying Miami. So well, well done to uh, to Mr. Bell. Uh, that, that's the last time we will talk about Apart it. Apart from when we say next week, we, yeah, that did definitely happen. So, <laughs> And then we'll, do, we'll run a question in a Twitter poll. Who will Le'Veon Bell sign for? But we'll, we'll leave it a little while. We'll give you a rest. Uh, so true, so true. But such a good running back. But um, Connor's come in and, and been lights out, incredible. Mm. Um, so, uh, so... Hey, the Steelers. Connor has been incredible, and I always think about this, and I never want to take away from players' performance, but mm. we always we do this thing, we, we shine a spotlight, Tom, and I always think we never shine it on the O-line, and, and I'm sure Connor could go do that in a lot of teams. He's brutal. I love Connor. love the way he runs. He's a great slasher of a, mm. as a type of a runner, but the Steelers have a great O-line. Could they put in other run, running backs? And they would do, well, they not saying better than Connor, but... To a level. Yeah. But they said that about Zeke Elliott. Oh, well, if he's going to the Cowboys, I don't know why they're from London. Like, yeah, yeah mate. But if they yeah. go to the Cowboys, anyone could run through that. But, you know, and Saquon you've still, Barkley. You've still got to go and do it. Yeah. The, like, the, the O-line can't protect uh, Manning too much. He's, yeah, he's been brilliant. Saquon Barkley there. But it is something to sort of think about. Yeah, let's just not be fickle. That's it. Let's not be fickle. But well done to it. It's the Connor doing amazing. All right, Charlie, are you ready? Get ready for your quiz question. Woo! Are you ready for it? Now, a um, little twist this week, and for everybody as well listening, um, I'm going to give you an option. Would you like a quarterback question, a running back question, or a wide receiver quiz question? <laughs> quarterback, please. Okay, um, right. Here we go. Come on. Brett Favre, the quarterback at your team, Packers for a long time, has played in 326 regular games and postseason games. That's a record. 326 games. Which quarterback reached their 300th game this weekend? Drew Brees. Incorrect. No! (laughs) 
I rushed. I know, you panicked. No, because I thought that was correct. No. No, can we cut this bit out? <laughs> no, we can't cut it. This oh. is the interesting thing about this podcast. We do not cut anything. We sit down. Notes and and I don't know the question beforehand, so it is, no, hence why I'd always get it right. The notes are on the wall. Uh, we've got the stash. I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to tweet it out. Uh, this is how we but, do our setup. you know yeah. why I said Drew Brees? Because he did break one of Brett Favre's records this he weekend. Did. And can I just say, you probably think, oh, they're not talking about it, but... It seems like Drew Brees has broke a record every week this year, and we just have to call it the Drew Brees Delicious Arm Pod. Oh, he's got such <laughs> a good delicious arm. He did say, well, we did say he's got a delicious arm. Um, would you like the answer, Charlie? Oh, go on then. Uh, and for everybody else, so Brett Favre, 326 games in a regular and postseason. Wait, give me a quick second guess. All right. Repeat it, go. Who played their 300th game this weekend? 300th game this weekend. I'll give you a clue. It's not Matt Barkley at the Bills. So All right, on. I'll just go for... Come on, mate. I'm looking at you. Come on. Everybody listening right now is like... Philip Rivers. No, incorrect. You had two guesses for that. Yeah. Um, your main man, Tom Brady. Tom Brady, oh, of course. he's the second uh, quarterback now. Uh, your man, uh, Delicious Arm, is not far behind. But it's because it, he hasn't played in ma- as many postseason games as Tom Brady. Uh, moving on. Uh, here's a question for you. You might be better with this. Do you know, Charlie, who Len Dawson is? No. Okay, well, Len Dawson in 1964 had 30 season touchdowns uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. And the man who's overtaken him this weekend is Patrick Mahomes. He moves to 31 thrown touchdowns this season. And we don't talk about the the Chiefs enough on this podcast. And I want to take a little moment, one minute, maybe less than that, to talk about them because they have been incredible. They are 9-1 and now, uh, same as the LA Rams, who they play in Mexico. Uh, this uh, Monday night next week. It's going to be a huge game. Bookies are now putting it 64 under or above. That's the highest they've done, I think, in 10 years. Amazing game. Incredible scenes. What do you make of the Chiefs this year? First, I say, don't put the Chiefs in the corner. I mean, why are we capping it to a minute? Let's talk about that Chiefs kingdom. Arrowhead pride, baby. I just think the Chiefs, we haven't spoken about them enough this year. And you know what? It's probably like... You don't like to give the team who are amazing so much love. We want to spread it about. It's like we said, we haven't spoke about every Drew Brees record, but the Chiefs are 9-1. and one. We just, We're running out of words to say for them. Weapons all over. Yeah. There's a little sort of myth, I want to say, about the Chiefs' defence. It's, it's not great. It's, it's weak. Yeah, it's weaker than their offence, but statistically, I think they're like first in sacks, maybe, six in tackles, passes like blocked. They're actually statistically quite high. And... Uh, is it if secondary? you're putting up the numbers on offense, well, if you're putting up the numbers on offense and your offense is on the field, that's one way to play defense. Your defense aren't on the field. You know what I mean? Best, best form of defense is attack, they yeah. say. Uh, I just love what Mahomes is doing. He looks like a 10-year veteran. He doesn't look like it's his first full season as a starter. I mean, the numbers, the spreading the ball. Uh, and I know people say, oh, well, the Chiefs do this every year. They look great. And then the postseason comes. And not, then not anymore. No more. Patrick Mahomes can, well, can offer it. so many weapons. I think know. we're both drinking the Mahomes Gatorade, aren't we? We're, we're on the that. juice. Uh, what will be interesting is that that game against the Rams, two amazing offences going Sorry, together. yeah, you did ask me about the game. Uh, no, no, no. no but, I, but I think the, the, the fact that we haven't made in, and this is big news, Cooper Cup out for the season, a knee injury. Um, horrific scenes there, like really sad for him because he's having such a good season. Um it's going to be offense versus offense. But when we talked before the podcast, we said it's about how good your defense is. Whose defense is better to keep the other offense uh, from, from, from making those points? So, so, so you would say on that game, 
Who would you go for? Well, I'm going to sound like a hypocrite now, but I, I, I believe the Rams will win that game and they will come out on top. And I think that they'll... Where they had that sort of little... <laughs> I don't know if you can call it a blip because they... They lost to the Saints. <laughs> yeah, they lost to the Saints who looked fantastic. I won't call it a blip, but it really... I feel like it sort of really reinvigorated them and, and, and the Chiefs haven't had their bump in the road as of such yet. They're, they're still winning even though they're not looking great. The Cardinals put up a good fight this weekend but it only mat- it doesn't matter how sometimes how you get the W. It just matters getting that W and I don't know if if the Chiefs are ready just to sort of hit that bump in the road yet. You have to have that defining key turning point in the season where you either take it and go on from there or you go down but the interesting thing I find just quickly about this game is both teams, it's the 11th week. Um, this is their last game. They're, they're the only two teams after this week who haven't had a bye. And then, wow. then it'll, they'll have the bye next week and they would have been the only two. So they've played all their consecutive games. Everyone's had a break, a little breather, get healthy. So we want these two teams to really go at it, but they haven't had a bye yet. And, that, and they have to go to Mexico. So it could, could be a small factor. And both teams really worried about the altitude in Mexico. And they asked to change the games. And um, the Rams are actually playing in uh, training in Colorado, Denver this week, are because they? they want to get used to the altitude that will be similar to Mexico. Okay, um, two two factors. Number one, I just wanted to make for this, this podcast is it's uh, it's horrible to see that the scenes that are going on in California and, and those wildfires that are going on. So I, I'd seen you know thoughts with everybody involved in that, but, but had noticed that the Rams had seventy five of their staff members had been affected by it, giving away jerseys. There's just lots of amazing things that are happening by people coming together and helping one another, and it seems to be in that scene. But they still managed to to go out and and you know obviously life's bigger than football but but they managed to go out and and get that yeah. uh, result against the Seahawks um it's it's incredible to see but what i was going to say about the the game um is is the rams got another defensive addition they added someone uh which which hopefully will will see them right but you don't want to have a loss and then go into a bye week when you've been playing so well. It, I think that would be a real mental block for them and it will really eat them inside. Change it? their momentum yeah. somewhat. So, so I think whoever loses that, uh, and I'm going to go out for a bold statement here, but I think that will kill their season. I don't know why, but I just got this sneaking. For kill suspicion. it in terms of no playoffs or just kill it as like... D- d- they won't go on to win it. Okay. Interesting. But yeah, no, Tom, shout out all the firefighters and everyone who is really doing their best to help this and all the families that have been affected. Yeah, it, it is bigger than football and it's, it's just horrible to see it, but we hope that they, everyone pulls through and it sorts out soon. Exactly. Um, right, Charlie, on our Twitter, I used to kick a pod, um, you put out a question for our Twitter poll. Um, you said, now that we're at the halfway point of the season, which player, uh, it's been a welcome surprise uh, being... Um, uh, Bearing in mind that uh, none of these players were predicted starters and everyone knew of their talents already. You said that and because and you made sure that no one was going to be like, oh, we already knew they were talented. Yeah, because I, I am scared of social media and Twitter somewhat. And I thought that if I put these people, he'd be like, well, we knew how good these players were. Yeah, I wasn't saying that. I just none of them were predicted to start the year in that position. And they've either burst onto the team, kept their place and so on, or through injuries and suspensions. But it's been a warm welcome moment that none of us were expecting. And we've mentioned two of them. James Conner was one of the options. Philip Lindsay at the Denver Broncos. Uh, James Conner, obviously, at the Steelers. Uh, Nick Mullins at the 49ers. And Fitz Magic or Fitz Tragic or, you know, just his actual <laughs> name, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and the poll said Nick Mullins was... Uh, was was the surprise package and I, I actually got involved as I always do and I thought Nick Mullins got that for me because 
third string quarterback comes in playing so well. People will argue with me that he didn't have a great game against the Giants. I think that's ridiculous. I think on third down, he looked like an elite quarterback. Um, yeah, two interceptions. One was definitely his fault. One was good wins, in my opinion. But I think <clears throat> no one expected him to do well, and he's done better than, than was ever imagined of him. But that's not to say the other people have had, haven't had a good season. No, no, and I agree. I, I like all of them, and I, and we spoke about this last week. We, it's just such a feel-good story. It's what, what brings the NFL together, players that we never expected, first string, practices, practicing as the starter, and Nick Mullins. Again, yeah, they didn't get the W last night, but played lights out in the first week and really played some good stuff in the second week. But you, you can't win every week. It's sport. Yeah. Uh, big shout-out. Um, we've still got to talk about a couple of the games that have happened. We've also got to do our boom or bust, uh, plus the PUP. But I feel like I want to change it this week. Um, I will say this, that we had a, a lovely question. Uh, and when I say lovely, it's just really intriguing and exciting question. I don't think we're going to do it justice this week because it's so in-depth. From Five Yard Rush, um, they tweeted us. They always show us a lot of love, so we want to give you some back. A, a brilliant fantasy podcast. So if you want some tips on who to pick for your fantasy team, uh, go and check them out. And it's helped me out a few times. I don't want to go on about it. I got 200 <laughs> points this week. But yeah, thanks, guys. No, uh, those guys really, they are one step ahead of the curve. And if you need someone to add on waivers or you just need to go in a bit of a different direction, those guys could get you the W on a weekend. They asked, Charlie. The Bucks, the Jets, the Giants, the Broncos, Ravens, Browns. If all their head coaches go, which in in order of one, two, three, would you see as being the most appealing to take over and change their fortunes? And what would you do to implement certain things to make sure they were a playoff team? Oh, so what? One, what? two, one, two, three of the most appealing of what they've got. So, so, so essentially, the question for five yards is: you now become the head coach of these these teams. Uh, who's your one, two, three out of these guys? And what is it? The Jets, the Bucks, uh, the Giants, Broncos, Browns. So there are Giants. six teams there. Browns. What you can hear is a pen. Uh, a pen uh, uh, that shows you how prepared I am and preps for this question. Sometimes we, thro- we throw those questions in. Because it, personally for me, and, and I'm, I'm just saying this, um, I, I, I would choose for me one first team would be the Browns. A second would be the Jets, and then the third uh, would be um, the the, uh, the Broncos. Uh, and the, the reason for that is I just like the squad depth they have and the excitement of what they've got. The Browns have got, have, over the past few years, have collated a lot of first, second, and third round picks. They're very high-drafted, talented guys. I think they've got real potential there. They're, just, they're now getting over that hump of they're now becoming a winning team again. Jets, for me... Got Donald, you just need to build the pieces around. That's exciting there. Um, and and for the Broncos, I just, I've just always liked those guys. I mean, they're, they're Super Bowl winning caliber there. They just need to just make those uh, picks. Like Philip Lindsay, for example, you know, giving them a bit of excitement. So that, that would be for me the one, two, three. And to get them to be a playoff winning team, I've been reading a fair amount about NFL over the last couple of years you've just got to get winners in the building whether that's coaches uh, or characters characters as well and how much how important that is so so yeah that's kind of that answers it very quickly I'd love to go into more depth but yeah just okay I'll do my three coming in at number three bronze position I would pick the Giants I think they have some brilliant weapons uh i like dave gettleman at front office in gm i think he, he, he definitely tried to turn that roster around he helped out with the panthers too the only piece they need to shore up the offensive line the only piece they're missing what is happening at quarterback with eli they're going to go for it next year so that is a bit of a worry as a head coach you could be coming out of a first time quarterback but 
the Giants, just such a big historical franchise, has to be an appealing uh, head coach opportunity. I'll put them at number three. Number two, the Browns. I think that John Dorsey uh, it will and is a brilliant GM and will just no stone unturned with this guy. This man is detailed, detailed, detailed. I think he will just turn that fortune, um, turn that franchise around for better days. And he already is. We're just seeing no... We're seeing like people being cut, it's, it's boom or bust. Now they have to do it. And they've already got loads of draft picks, great talent in the building. They just need to get over the line. So it's an yeah. interesting process. It's a mentality, I guess. Yeah. Number one, the Jets for me, two reasons. One, they have the quarterback of the future. I believe Sam Darnold. They have Jamal Adams, great leader on defense. So they just need a few pieces. And two reasons why also they've got bundles of cap room so they could go out and make free agency signings this appeals to a head coach they haven't had luck or good history for ages the Jets it would be great to go and say yeah I turn the Jets back in Super Bowl winners they haven't been relevant for years and that's no disrespect so I would love to go and say yeah that was me that done that as in the same with the brand just quickly the reason why I didn't choose the Broncos not sure if I agree with how John Elway's doing his GM they haven't got quarterback of the future what's going on with Case Keenum not appealing uh, same with the Buccaneers. It just they just can never seem to do it right with front office and and coaching and but they've got and, a and, they, ship. and their and their, their quarterback uh, position is up in the air also. They've got a pirate ship in a stadium. Come on, you can't tell me you don't want to be fire the cannons. <laughs> um, so much uh, to, to talk about now. Gi- Giants. What would you do? You taking a quarterback next season? Or are you trying to get a free agent? Could it be like a Teddy Bridgewater? Oh, I'm such Bridgewater? a sentimental person, but yes, I'm taking a quarterback or I'm signing money for agency. Either way, I'm, I'm not starting Eli, but I, I do love you, Eli. Sorry. Okay. I agree with you on the Jets. Um, all I think about them sometimes is butt fumble. Uh, that's, that's, all, that's all I sort of think about. Um, all right. Okay. Thank you so much for that question. Keep them coming in. Uh, Ice the Kicker Pod. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Charlie, um, we, it, we're going to have to sort of talk about a couple of the big games. We, I guess we've touched upon the Steelers-Panthers. What? What a Thursday night football that was last week. Uh, lights out from the Steelers. They've got weapons all around them. At one point, I looked at them in the, early in the season. I went, they're barely beating the Browns here. What's going on here? They're an absolute game changer. And the Panthers, we thought they were rolling uh, and doing something. And then they've been brought down to earth again. Yeah, it wasn't a close game. The Steelers smashed them. And it's, I mean, I hate to repeat it, but I just want to agree with what you said. We've done a poll. We're like, why aren't the Steelers' offense clicking? But they're one of those teams, almost Patriots-esque, that we get to October, get to November, they start rolling. They've got the pieces. They work themselves out. And, you know, it makes a statement anytime you put up 50 points, but it makes a statement when it's against a team that we've been showing a lot of love to and everyone was picking as a dark horse in the Panthers. And these Thursday night games, they, they keep pulling out the classics on the Thursday night game. And I know the players aren't a fan of them, but... Go TNF, uh, I'm enjoying it. Okay, Green Bay are going to be taking on the Seahawks if you're talking uh, TNF, Thursday Night Football. Um, that's going to be a juicy little contest, um, which I'm looking forward to. That's going to be a good game. So you're saying Thursday Night Football, good games come up, don't they? They do, yeah, and it should be another good one. And it's a, it's one where the games are on the line because um, uh, Green Bay and Seahawks, they're at that point now, four and four and one. Uh, Seahawks are four and five. If they want to make the playoffs and they want to be where both teams think they should be, this is the game they have to win. And unfortunately, I think for the loser, it's playoffs over. Yeah, uh, definitely. They're, they're both pushing in the NFC. They've, they've kind of got to catch up with the Panthers and the Vikings. So they're just hoping either of those teams begin to slip a little bit and maybe make it into the playoffs. Um, Charlie, it happened. I couldn't believe it. Um, I, I, I want to talk about the Patriots Titans. It was actually part of your boom or bust. Those, them Titans. Them Titans. Titan up. 
they have been um, Vrabel uh, taking on his old team that he was he was part of with the Patriots. What happened to Brady? What's happening? It it was I was surprised and furious with my accumulator as well. Yeah, I love this game just because not just because I said it last week. I like what the Titans are doing, but you know. Uh, Mike Vrabel, as you mentioned, he's the first player to play for Belichick and then coach against him. That's never happened before. And uh, Patriots have lost three times this year, all three of those on the road. Two of those road losses and losses overall have come to ex-Patriots people. Patricia, former defensive coordinator, Mike Vrabel, former player, now coach. So the the Belichick coaching tree continues. And Vrabel, you know, I just love how... It's, it's almost like he still wants to play, a player coach. He like, mm. I love how one he is with his players. He's on the coach. He's doing the blocking. The lineman drew was out before. <laughs> and as soon as they they run that trick play, uh, the one that they Edelman throws to Brady, Brady trips himself up. Uh, the drive later, the Titans do it. And Mariota makes the first down. And it's like, you do it, we do it. Who does it better? I just, I love what the Titans are doing. And uh, there's a lot of connection between these two teams. We spoke about that with the Mike Vrabel, but also... Malcolm Butler's there. Dion Lewis is in. The reporter says to Dion Lewis after the game, you know, was this a revenge game? And he says, yeah, this was a revenge game. They let me go and uh, we beat him. And he's like, oh, so it's personal. And then I thought he'd say, no, it's not personal. You know, not, he's not that type of guy. And he went, yeah, it's personal. He goes, when you when you go that cheap, you're going to come up here and you're going to get your ass kicked. So uh, Dion Lewis, that was personal. But 24 points, that is the uh, biggest, third biggest defeat in the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick era. Third biggest for the Pats. It's something to say about the coaches knowing the secrets to how to beat the Patriots because they've been inside the building. There's something they could... Oh, you've made that topical. <laughs> have I? No, have I? Um, but they, they were in the building. They've, they kind of learned that... It, I, I keep saying it, and I said the Patriots weren't going to make the playoffs at the beginning of our podcast journey. And, and that's mad. You needed that then. <laughs> I, I, but I needed that loss then. And, and they, do, they don't look like they're invincible um, at times. And it's funny you say about that trick play. It happened against the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Uh, what, you know, what uh, you mean? man Foles can do uh, Brady couldn't quite quite do the catch um Browns Falcons Browns are back to winning ways which is great great to see the Falcons though slipped up they'd been on a bounce they'd been winning uh, constantly um Browns look good and you mentioned him earlier Chubb uh maybe the difference they got rid of Carlos Hyde he doesn't seem to be even a factor in the Jaguars offense uh Chubb's Chubb's doing and it and that's them. why they obviously knew what was waiting in the wings and uh this was a great game, you know. Falcons coming off three successive wins, looking great. Got back to four and four after a bad start. The Brands, coaching changes, what's going on? They look great at home. And the Brands just turned them over. Baker Mayfield was electric. That's why we're seeing this guy go number one in the draft. I think he was the first time for an NFL rookie in the history of the NFL. He was over 150 passer rating for someone who's had 20 pass attempts or more, which is just amazing. But the thing I like most, and I liked it more than Anything this weekend. I yeah. loved it. Post, post-game post conference, Baker Mayfield comes in this massive Inspector Gadget jacket. I don't know if that <laughs> was a joke or not. Turns up and they're like, tell us about it. And he goes, I don't know. He goes, I just woke up this morning. I was feeling real dangerous. And I was like, <laughs> I love that. I was like, how dangerous? I was like, oh, what kind of dangerous? Like, this could go off into any completely direction. <laughs> and then he kind of softened the moment. And then they went, oh, do you want to expand on that? He's like, no, nah, I just felt real dangerous. So I made an omelette. <laughs> but he was real dangerous in the game. I just love that quote. Uh, but the Browns, they just look brilliant. Shout out to Julio Jones as well. Was the fastest wide receiver to uh, break 10,000 yards, beating Calvin Johnson's record. He's done it 104 games. But uh, Megatron. No, go Brands. Yeah. The Megatron did it 115. And I love uh, it. Greg Williams could get the same amount of Brands wins in a few games that Hugh Jackson took three years. So. That's outrageous. Interesting enough, Hugh Jackson um, just been picked up again uh, by the Bengals. So he moved from the Bengals. 
I'm going to try the Browns out for size. That doesn't work for me. Now I'm back at the Bengals as an assistant coach uh, in some sort of role. But he's a man. He's a man manager, isn't he? he, he yeah. He, he's infectious in the building. So People's probably, person. So that's probably why the Bengals have... Well, it must say something about him as a person and as a coach. Not necessarily necessarily a head coach, but people don't employ you two weeks after you get sacked and you keep getting jobs. There must be something in it. And apparently the brand owner, you Jimmy have to burp. You have to burp. It wants to come out, didn't it? What but was happening there? <laughs> but Jimmy Haslam, he said he didn't want to get rid of Hugh Jackson, but, you know, Dorsey wanted... There must be a reason why these people want to uh, keep him around. I watched... Um, Hugh Jackson and Hard Knocks, he makes a great impression. So there is something in this. And, you know, it's interesting that the Bengals have to play the Browns twice uh, left in the season. So, you know, That's he's, be he's been hired as an informant of, of, I bet. of something. So well, you don't pay someone for nothing. So so yeah. the fact he's gone there, he's now on the books, he's, he's talking to the HR, which we mentioned earlier. Exactly, but we he's don't know the, the official role. But it's interesting when people, um, they say... A head coach is so different. You're almost like the head teacher of a school. You're making sure everything's in place. And when you're a coach, you're the teacher. You're, mm. you're the one laying out all the messages. You don't do that as a head coach. And sometimes you could be a great coach, but not a great head coach. Some people do those two things, and they are very different. Some yeah. people do those completely different. And maybe Hugh Jackson's future does lie in being an offensive coach or something, quarterback's coach. Well, was it week nine that Demarius Thomas went to the Texans and uh, and they were playing the Denver the next week, and you like you just you just use someone for for everything they've got in terms of their knowledge. All right, Charlie, I'm I'm sorry, guys. Listen, there's just we should do a whole podcast about what we thought about the games and and get more of your feedback on it. Some incredible results uh, throughout uh, week uh, ten, but we have to move on because I want to talk about the Boom or Bust. Now, I said um, a couple of things which were incredibly stupid, and I'm embarrassed that I even suggested them. I said um, Nate Peterman was going to throw for two touchdowns and the Bills would score over 10 points. They Cut. did. No, but they did score over 10 points. I technically get that. They got 41, but he had nothing to do with that. Um, your main man, Matt uh, Barkley, came in, who actually, Charlie, while we're on the subject, we normally do PUP. That is a section of the show we call physically unable to perform. But I want to change it. I want to say what? heroes of the week. To okay. me, Matt Barkley bit of a hero this week for, for turning around potentially the Bills season. I know they're taking on the Jets, but he's my hero of the week coming in and, and playing lights out. I remember him playing at the Bears. Uh, he beat the Niners. Then he went to sign for the Niners. Didn't happen for him there. But I think fair play. He keep coming back. You could say physically unable, unable to perform, but he's proving people wrong. That's why he's my hero. Boom. Of the week. So he's smashing a PUP this week. And uh, shout out to Matt Barkley as well because he scored more fantasy points than Brady, Newton, and Stafford this week. So that's a valid hero of the week. Okay, I'll go with you on that. My hero of the week as we're going through things. Two, very quickly. One, Fitzgerald. He now is the second on the all-time receiving uh, yards in the NFL, just behind Jerry Rice and in front of Ter- Terrell Owens, T.O. And my main man of the week. This guy is my hero. Eric Ebron. Ten touchdowns in nine games. Three touchdowns on the weekend. A hat-trick. He only had 11 touchdowns in four years with the Lions. <laughs> He's already on 10. And Frank Reich at the Colts. I know we bigged them up last week. They know how to use the tight end sets. Four games running. Andrew Luck has not been sacked. I'm all over the Colts. Are you all in on them? Because in I'm the AFC, in. AFC South, they've That's made a the, big division. AFC South, they beat the Jags and then they, they leapfrogged them in that division. Above them, they've got 
got the Tennessee Titans, Houston Texans. We say it again and again and again. The AFC South is going off. That it is, is a hot and it's league. hard because we talked to Texans UK. They're great. We we spoke to Jimmy at the Jags. I love what the Colts are doing. We've just picked up the Titans over the patch. We love all you guys. There's no competition. I just love that division. Yeah. All right. Um, boom or bust. We do it because we do it every single week. Just a little bit of our... You said like, because we have to. We, do, right, it we well, do it every week, not because we want to. <laughs> well, we do it because we do it every week. No, we do, because, you know, routine is important. It's the NFL, you know, it's routine. And it's... Uh, no, if someone tweeted us and said, uh, I love your boom or bust, I'd be very happy. If they said you should get rid of it, I'd, I'd maybe try do that. <laughs> try that. I'm fickle. I'm easily led. Um, boom or bust, as we, I mentioned about the Bills. I also said the Cowboys would lose. That shocked me. Uh, the Eagles... Um, just out, out and about, um, not getting that win against the Cowboys. Zeke Elliott, incredible. Mari Cooper as well. But um, this week, I'm going to say for boom or bust, uh, Charlie, I'm going to say um, uh, the Giants um, this week are taking on the Bucks at home. I say that winning mentality continues for the Giants. And I say they get that win against the Bucks and Eli Manny, at least two throwing touchdowns for him. Uh, the bust, I mean, I'm looking at that easy to predict Raiders versus the Cardinals game. Um, the cards, I, I, something about me says they're a bust and the Raiders beat them. Probably because I just want them to because obviously the NFC West is my division with the Niners and I don't want to see those Cardinals. I see you, I hear you. But imagine that, that that's my bust. The Cardinals lose to the Raiders at home. <sighs> One and eight, it's crazy. They could be 0 and 8 if they didn't beat the Browns in that game. Okay, my boom or bust uh, last week, I said the, the Titans would beat the Pats. They did. Big call, but I said Rodgers would throw for 450 yards. It was 200. Uh, my bust this week are the See, Bears. See the way he just moved past that. See, you, you saw it, guys. He just moved past that like there was no... I wasn't going to dig him out on it, but he... All right, mate. I don't... Go. It's not moving past. I said... Green, Aaron Rodgers would do something. Green Bay won the games. It's not like it was a bad thing. I'm moving past. We're trying to be time efficient, mate. Anyway, uh, two minute warning. Two minute warning. Oh, here he goes again. My bust this week is that the Bears, after not defeating NFC North opposition under Mitchell Trubisky for six games, they beat the Lions this week to stop that. They then lose again to NFC North opposition and the Vikings triumph uh, beat the Bears uh, after the Vikings coming off a bye week. My Boom is that the Texans, we just said about you in the AFC South, um, you you go and beat the Washington Redskins. You have an identical red record, six and three, but it's the Texans who just keep... <coughs> oh, he's gone. He's done. Right at the end. Right at the end. It's the Texans who keep that... Oh, I can't even speak. They keep that momentum moving. I like those. Uh, boom or bust from there. The Texans uh, moving on. They're going to go seven and three in the AFC South. Charlie, you- I love those boom or bust. So those are the Boomer Bus for week 11, Charlie. I'm very excited about that. You have stopped coughing now, so we're, we're on track. We did say at the beginning of the podcast, we're very excited about something to bring you at the end. And we have delivered, haven't we? We have. Well, you have delivered, my friend. We have managed to secure another interview, and this time at the 49ers, another great franchise, just giving you wonderful insight behind the scenes. Indeed. And we have got the San Francisco 49ers senior reporter, Joe Fan, on the line right now. Joe, an absolute pleasure to chat to you today. Um, I know that it's coming off the the back of a, a, a bit of a sad loss to the Giants last night, but we'll try and keep optimistic and upbeat. Uh, Joe, could you tell us what you do at the 49ers, please? Uh, basically just covering the day-to-day of the team for the team's website and the team's social platforms. 
Wow. Okay. So that, that's, it sounds like an easy job with all of that. Um, but uh, it's, it's very busy. You're, you're constantly trying to get the latest on the players and, and inform the fans of what's going on, aren't you? Yeah, I think it's just all about trying to find angles and storylines that, that haven't really been told before. And so, you know, there's definitely the day-to-day of getting people in tune with what's happening, but then also what else can you provide? What what anecdotes um, can you tell uh, people to where they feel a little bit closer to the players and team that they love so much? And the more and I, uh, faithful is about as passionate a fan base as you'll find over here in the States. So um, they're constantly looking for more, um, and it's our job to give that to them. Oh, we know that, Joe. We know the 49ers faithful. They're a, they're a passionate bunch, but every fan wants that anecdote, as I'm sure you know. But for you, Joe, how, how did you break into reporting, and especially at the 49ers? Was media something you was always interested in, or did you have that dream of being a football player or being involved in a sport in an actual playing capacity? Yeah, well, I, I'll, I'll try to keep this brief, but I would say my I grew up in Seattle, and I grew up a diehard Seattle Mariners baseball fan, um, they had an unbelievable broadcaster, and I fell in love with him, and I was like, I'm going to be a broadcaster, I'm going to play that play guy. And that was my thing, I was going to be the voice of the team. And then, so I, you know, I, I honestly, I'm a person who has known I wanted to talk about sports and get into the industry since I was like five years old, and I was always the sports person. Um, and that never really changed. So I got into college, and I was a broadcaster, and I was a major. Um, and as going through different internships and whatever, I, I realized that um, I kind of wanted to go the reporting route as opposed to the play-by-play route, because... Joe, that sounds like you are living the dream. The dream is, if you're not involved in sports, be involved in a team where you can travel with the guys and feel like you're part of the fixtures. That I'm a very jealous man right now, uh, Joe. We both are. But do you, do, you, do you still have those moments then where you sort of pinch yourselves? Not only are you like friends with these guys, but you're getting that first insight inside scoop you're the one who's talking to Jimmy G first and Richard Sherman on signing day how how excited does that still make you does that inner fan come out yeah it's a total thrill um I mean there are definitely moments where you're like man okay that's really cool I mean I remember uh, a couple of years ago um it was when Ada Bartlow former owner of the 49ers was having his um you know Hall of Fame event in San Francisco this after he's already been inducted but they were going to have big things for him um uh, at Levi's Stadium at a game, and so the Saturday night before, 
Um, <laughs> and so we're up there, we're giving interviews and whatever. And the next thing I know, we're trying to pull out some of the Mount Rushmore guys, some of the, you know, the best players in the, in the franchise's history. And everyone, the who's who of the 49ers history is there. You know, uh, Steve Young, Joe Montana, Dwight Clark, Jerry Rice, Ronnie Lott, the list goes on. Um, and we're pulling off for interviews one by one. And um, at one point, Joe Montana and, and Dwight Clark walk over together. And I just asked a simple question. I mean, it wasn't a good question. I just kind of posed, like, do you guys ever, you know, BS about the catch or talk about it or whatever? And the catch being uh, one of the, you know, the most famous um, play in 49 history, one of the most notable plays in NFL history where Dwight Clark had a game-winning touchdown um, against the Cowboys in the 1981 NFL Championship game, just in case that anyone is unfamiliar, which is totally fine. Um, but anyway, so I'm talking to these two guys, and... Uh, they're just kind of bantering back and forth, giving each other crap about, you know, whatever. And I'm just kind of sitting there looking, looking at the camera guy. I'm like, this isn't real life right now. This isn't this isn't real. I mean, this is Joe Montana and Dwight Clark. And they walk away, and I, I, I look at my buddy. His name was Nick. And I, that was ridiculous. And it's, it's those moments where you're like, man, this is this is pretty cool. Like, the, the 16-year-old in me is, is geeking out right now. <laughs> it sounds incredible with the, those elite uh, stars of the, of the franchise they are the history of the 49ers right in front of you that that really is incredible but but watching all of your videos um on the 49ers studio and the things you do when you break down plays um you're a busy guy and and how do you manage to keep on top of everything yeah i think you just kind of have a checklist every week um i mean in season it's it pretty i don't want to say simple because you know on one day you're shooting one thing on one day you're shooting another thing you know when press conferences are you know when locker rooms are going to be open kind of manage your time now, but you know when things are coming. It gets challenging when you have short weeks, like you play on a Thursday and you've got to cram five days worth of content into two or three days, um, or you have to buy a week where players get out of town and all of a sudden they're not here. Um, and so I think that's where things can get tricky, but um, I would say that the bigger challenge, um, you know, less so, I think it's pretty easy to prioritize your time in terms of, okay, I have three stories I can write or, or three storylines we can cover. What's the most important? You just go down that way. There's no point um, you know, making yourself miserable with all the stuff that you could potentially do, and just checking one thing off at a time. I think it's harder in the off season when um, you know things are slow, or you know it goes in waves. There's times where it's busy, like the draft and free agency, and times where it's slow, where um, there's just not a ton going on. Um, and, and it's like, all right, what well, is there anything we can do that fans will be receptive to and really enjoy? Um, and, and I think that's the, the bigger challenge because um, there are times when you know it's like. You don't need to force anything. I'm big on that. You don't want to force. You don't want to, you know, sensationalize something that shouldn't be sensationalized just because you need some clicks. Um, and so, but I would say that is, is more of the challenge. Talking of fun with the guys, Joe. I mean, me and Tom have watched a lot of your videos, and it looks like all you're doing is having fun. And there's there's one video in particular I want to talk about, and that was the the carpool with Joe Staley. I mean. The way you two were singing, I mean, you especially, Joe, you got Timberlake down. I was yeah. impressed with that voice, you know. We was impressed. There was no holding back. And I, and I like... I'm trying to go Timberlake. Joe cuts me off. I know. <laughs> How dare he? How could he cut off those sweet, dulcet tones of yours, Joe? <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. Uh, but it is, it's the Joe show. I'm just, I'm just the driver at that point. And I will say, quick teaser, um, I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but this week we have a new part, uh, carpool karaoke coming out with Joe Staley. And our first round pick, Mike McGlinchey, which is outrageous. Oh, exclusive, uh, Joe. You're giving us the goods. How do they both fit in the car? Because uh, <laughs> McGlinchey is the tallest man in the whole roster. So, I mean, what sort of car are you rolling in, Joe? Yeah, well, let's just say it was Stubbs. Um, that's probably <laughs> the best way I can put it. It was, it was uh, 
was snug in the back seat. That uh, this uh, Toyota Tacoma was the, the front seat. Finally, yeah, the back seat. It's not a full size pickup, but the back seat. Uh, Mike was was squished, but we made it work, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I can't wait for people to see that this week. Yeah, well, that's why you have a sunroof, right? Um, so he can stick his head out the top. Yeah, exactly. His head was sticking out like uh, <laughs> like the giraffe. <laughs> um, I, I, you, you touched on it, Joe. Um, I wanted to give you a shout out for your R and B singing with uh, George Kittle and uh, Trent Taylor. That was uh, you, you should let me love you. The, oh, I mean, you really felt that. But anyway, people can go and watch that video <laughs> of yourself. And um, you did mention the bye week. So what happens now with the Niners? And and I guess what fans over here in the UK want to know is we love getting the latest story and movements and who's the player being cut or, or are they staying or contract extension. How do you go about getting those stories? You said the players won't be in the, in the facility or building this week, but, but how do you begin to start those conversations to, to get stories that us fans want to hear about? Yeah, that's a good question. Also, just going back to the, the carpool karaoke videos, I'll just, I'll just finish that conversation with it. I've never been shy about the self-deprecation embarrassing myself, anything, anything for entertainment. So I'm glad you guys have enjoyed those. But I think this week, uh, in general, I mean, it's, it's going to be slow. So um, I don't know if there's anything that, that you do right this second, um, but you can, you know, you have some time to breathe and so you start game playing. Okay, you know, we have these next six weeks, but let's look beyond that. What happens the two months after the season? What trips do we need to plan? What, what big, big picture ideas? can we come up with? And so we'll have some of those conversations this week. But then also, I mean, uh, you know, as, as, while players get away, it's also a time for staff to get away too. So uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm looking forward to a more mellow week this week uh, myself and getting a couple days off because, you know, for, you know, upwards of five months, you know, you're not really getting weekends off starting at the beginning of August, you know, all through training camp, the preseason, um, and then during the season. You might have a Saturday here and there, but for all that purpose, every Sunday is, is you're working. And granted, that's why you do it. The game's the best part. But at the same time, Nice, Joe, as well. And and when you get those um, w- those moments when you talk to the players, you can you see in yourselves when hey, like the guys are coming off a tough loss or they've had a bit of bad news, injuries. Is there a certain way you tailor your approach to getting that moment or clip from a player like hey, we we need to go tread softly here or we need to avoid him? Do you sense that in the players, or is that when your friendship really comes to the test? I would say that now that I've been here long enough and I know the locker room I can just kind of tell you know where to tread lightly how to approach things um, you know you can usually tell I mean it's like talking to anybody right I mean you go up to them and, and if the, you know the first indicator isn't man this guy really feels like talking and you just kind of move about your business and we have a really good locker room and guys are great and um, you know I, I think you know, there's a way as long as you're respectful and have a way about going about things I mean I'm not someone there's enough people you know in, in this market I mean, I, seeing you chat to John Lynch and, and obviously with Kyle Shanahan at the moment and everything that's going on with the Niners, it's been incredibly unlucky with injuries this season and next man up uh, situation. And um, it feels like 
next season will be the year when everyone's healthy again and we, and we go, and I'm talking from my point of view, not for Charlie, but that we go get those playoffs. Um, you did mention, and I've heard you say that, that during the draft process, John Lynch plays the good cop and Kyle Shanahan plays the bad cop to try and uh, assess talent that's coming through it it it, what was Kyle Shanahan like behind the scenes is he always the bad cop or is it you know is is he a good guy to get on with in in the facility no he's a great guy I mean he's a he's a very intense guy in the season obviously and I think he along with everybody else is really frustrated with where things are and he just has to assess things and now going into the bye week and he said well I'd be a lot happier if uh, we had more wins and plain simple I mean everyone here you put in so much work it's like anything right any job you're putting in 60 plus hours a week and you're not getting any fruits of that labor. I mean, that's frustrating for anybody. You feel like you're just kind of banging your head against the wall and not, not getting anywhere. That's just human nature, right? So I think everyone's had some frustration, but Kyle's been awesome to work with. He's been great at giving our, our studio team access. You know, we do this brick by brick show that our production team just crushes our kind of adjacent to HBO's, um, what's the Hard knocks. Word, what's the hard knocks? There you go. Thank you. Um, so he's been unbelievable to work with, always gives really insightful answers, whether it's in press conferences or a one-on-one interview. Um, you know, I, I feel like I've got a strong relationship with him and John, but I think together they, they, they do make a, a really good uh, team. Yeah, we, it's something that we've spoken about on this pod a lot, Joe. It's just that although there's dark days, maybe dark clouds at the minute rather for the 49ers fans, there really is a brighter future and a more positive one to come. And it's so true what you say, and it is the motto they go by. It's brick by brick, isn't it? It's not, Rome wasn't built in a day. There are some bright times ahead, especially with Lynch and Shanahan at the helm. Yeah, I think in general, perspective is always important because the nature of sports, and I get it, we're all sports fans, right? So I look at Again, my Seattle Mariners, I'm a diehard, and I live and die by everything, and it's hard to keep perspective. Well, in the NFL, I mean, the, the common saying is things are never as good as they seem, and things are never as bad as they seem. And, you know, while last night being very frustrating, another game real close, had plenty of chances to win, and, and you, you can't close at the end, which has been a theme this year, you also have to, to keep in mind how narrow uh, the margin is in the NFL. I mean, this is a player's team that's probably let, what, four games slip away at this point, if not more, but for sure four. Um, and you're looking at you're, you're right around 500 or if not a winning record. So, you know, granted, ifs and buts, we know that thing, but um, it just should, should go to show you that you're not that far off, right? So if you can make, continue to make, you know, marginal improvements and, and show that you're going the right direction, I think, you know, you look at this team who hasn't given up, you know, still plenty of fight despite the season for all intents and purposes being over. Um, I think for me, Indeed. Um, listen, Joe, I think that's a, a perfectly positive way to, to end this interview. It's been an absolute pleasure. We don't want to take up too much of your time uh, today, but, um, uh, you know, we just thank you so much for, for coming on Ice the Kicker podcast. And um, we wish you all the success and, and you get your well-deserved rest uh, this week. Uh, Tom, Charlie, it was a, a total pleasure. I really appreciate you guys reaching out and look forward to chatting again sometime. Yes, we will be in touch with you soon, Joe Fan from the San Francisco 49ers. An absolute pleasure. We thank him very much for coming on to the podcast. We pretty much, well, we are. There's no pretty much. We're at the end of the podcast, Charlie, and we will catch everybody in seven days' time. See you next week. Bye.